Welcome to the podcast of St. Basil the Great Catholic Church in Brecksville, Ohio, with homilies, talks, and interviews relevant to your Catholic faith. God bless you, and enjoy. Well, here we are in this uh, gospel, and we're finally out of the parables. And I don't mean like the parables were bad, but there was like four or five weeks in a row where it's parable after parable after parable, and now we get back into a little bit of dialogue and conflict, right? Most of us don't like conflict, and here the Son of God has conflict, right? Why? Because he likes conflict? No. But he knows the status quo isn't good enough, right? How things are aren't good enough. We haven't become what God has created us to be. The world isn't fine. Phrases like, well, I haven't killed anyone yet. It's like, ooh, good. We'll call Rome and tell them how great you are. The bare minimum is not why Jesus came. And so when the church, in the name of Jesus, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, challenges us, it's not because the church is bored or angry or outdated. It's because she's following her divine spouse, Jesus, and has to be at least usually often the only voice reminding us who we are, therefore what we're capable of, and therefore at times reminding us when we've settled for something way beneath our dignity. And so oftentimes the church is mocked simply because she's reminding us you are capable of so much more than you could ever ask for or imagine. So I want to do a little history of what's going on in the gospel and then unpack some of the implications. So in the first century, right, these, the Jews were occupied, were living in Roman occupied territory. And they had to pay to Rome the tax so that the Roman army would protect them against any invaded forces. But the Jewish people hated paying this tax because oftentimes they were exploited. Oftentimes it was overpay. Oftentimes their money was just being taken from them. But if you didn't pay it, you'd be killed. So they come to Jesus with this question. Is it lawful for us to pay this or not? They do this trying to trap Jesus, right? Because if he says, yeah, don't worry about it, they're corrupt. Ah, they could go to the Romans and say, Jesus said we don't have to pay it, kill them. But if he says, yes, you do have to pay it, all the Jews are going to be mad and saying, you work for Rome and they're not going to follow him. So they're trying to trap him. Well, this is one of the reasons why I love Jesus. He's super smart. <laughs> right? He's not playing these games. His personality is on full display. Right? And so they say, uh, which one do we have to do, huh? And he's like, why are you testing me? <laughs> right? It's like playing basketball with a three-year-old. He's like, come on. I'm going to block the shot every day. What are you doing? Show me the coin. And he's like, whose inscription? Whose image? Like Caesar's. All right, give to Caesar what Caesar's. Give to God's what God. Let's move on. Like it doesn't even, he, he's just like so un, unflappable. Like Jesus is just so much the Lord and it's a beautiful thing. But here's the thing that I think for you and I, what God might be saying I think everyone here understands the value of the first category. I think we get the value of money, what it means to government, what it means to us, what it means for exchange. 
we get it. We all want more of it. And then we know, oh no, it won't make us happy, but then secretly like, but just in case, it'd be nice. We still all on some level, oh no, money won't make you happy, but then we're like, but you know, when I grow up, I do want to have a really sweet job so I can live in a nice home and go to nice places. Okay, we get it. But I think very few people I've ever met understand the value of the second category. That is to say, you and me. You could fill in a blank if I was, you know, a religious teacher. I bet you could get A pluses. Why do you have dignity? Oh, I'm in the image of God. A plus. But see, the answer is just we've been saying it so many times, and it's like saying the word banana 500 times. Banana, 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 banana. Eventually, it just sounds like noise. It doesn't mean anything. Image of God, image of God, image of God, image of God. Okay, great. But she doesn't really mean anything. And I think that in our current political structures, there are our divisions. A lot of it is because we don't know what the words mean anymore. They're not connected to the realities. Like, did you know if Jesus was offered to roller skate on the rings of Saturn or have a cup of coffee with you, he'd choose a cup of coffee with you in a heartbeat every day of the week? I don't know that I would choose that. I'm sure you're wonderful, though. The rings of Saturn look pretty awesome. Did you know that, like, the beauty of a sky at sunset, right, with the oranges and the reds just radiating across the horizon, and you're like, this is amazing. If you were to turn to God, he'd be looking at you and saying, that ain't nothing compared to you. That's not made in the image of God. You are. Did you know the Grand Canyon? And by the way, I've been once. If you've never been, not enough people talk about it. It's amazing. It's vast and powerful. And I can see why ancient people worship nature. It is awe-inspiring. But God, when he came to like redeem all of creation, didn't come as mountains. He didn't come as a really cool rock. He came as you and me one of us, because you are the one he wants to spend all of eternity with. So like in the heart and mind of God, you're a really big deal. Eight billion people in the world, there's not a you. However many billion people that have ever existed, there's never been you. No one has your story. No one's been given your plan that God has for you. No one's been given your name like your identity. Only you reveal God in the way you do. Father John Ricardo is an amazing priest up in Michigan. Right? And he uses this analogy a lot to show the immensity of God. And I think it's a great analogy. So stick with me. Imagine you're going to build a sandcastle. Right? But instead of using sand, you're going to use all the stars that we know of at this point. So you're making this sandcastle, but out of stars. Do you have any idea how big the sandcastle would be? Five miles high by five miles wide by five miles long. And it says in the book of Genesis, very simply, and he created the stars. Whatever image of God you have, it ain't big enough. 
God made the stars, but the stars are not what captures his heart. He made the stars because he knew they would capture our hearts. Because at the center of his attention isn't the Milky Way, but you. You are at the heart of God. So what happened? Well, Genesis chapter 3. A fallen creature came and lied to us and said, God doesn't actually care about you. You got to go out and make something of yourself. You got to prove yourself. You got to earn, achieve. You got to find fulfillment on your own terms. And so we became enslaved because we disobeyed. We didn't trust. And then we turned to sin. And now ever since then, we've been removed from the source, removed from the light. And we don't see the right way. And so we don't know our value. We don't know each other's values. If you want a great analogy, thank God you live in Northeast Ohio. In a few months, it's going to snow. And if you're driving one way when it's snowing out, you're going to think your windshield is clean. But when you turn around and drive towards the sun, you're going to realize there is dirt all over it. See, God is the light that illuminates us so we can see clearly. When we're going the wrong way with our lives, as every human being is, until Jesus comes and invites us to share in his kingdom, right? only he turns us around. Right? We think, oh, we're basically okay, although inside we're struggling with doubts and fears, and then those get turned into sins, and it just deepens. He came to deliver us from that, and Jesus says, I am the light of the world. I am the truth to show you who you are. That's why as you grow closer to Jesus, you don't become diminished, you become enhanced. Uh, Jesus calls, tells Simon Peter, you are the rock. Simon Peter was anything but a rock. He was tossed away back and forth, saying the wrong thing, always getting it wrong, to betraying him. But it wasn't until Jesus died and rose, defeated sin, death, and Satan, and then sent the Holy Spirit, did Peter awaken to his true self. I am a rock, and he became a saint and our first pope. Mary Magdalene had eight demons in her, but Jesus always saw that she'd be the first one to preach that Jesus rose from the dead. So he casts out demons, and she becomes the one who delivers the message to the world for the very first time that God has defeated death and sin and Satan. When you grow close to Jesus, you don't get diminished. You become enhanced and set on fire. And so I want to tell a story. And this woman gave me permission this week to tell the story. I said, would you allow me to say it? She said, sure. So please don't think if you ever talk to me, I'm just going to go around telling your story. I asked her for permission and she said, yes. She was married and got divorced. And she was just a really just wonderful woman. She believed in Jesus. She believed in the Catholic Church. And she just married a guy that she thought he was one way. He turned out to be another and very, very violent. We're talking guns type of violent. So you can imagine her pain and the disappointment. So she gets a divorce. But because of all the, the trauma of this marriage, she's in a lot of pain, which is a sign that she knows her heart isn't meant for that kind of life. But she didn't have anyone to preach that to her. So what did she do with the pain? She started numbing it out. Right? She got a lot of money from a good job, so cars and clothes and vacations. She started meeting lots of men, doing things that you can imagine, just to numb the pain and drinking a lot. This was her life. This is how she was coping. She was living after the fall. No Jesus, just 
suppressed by the powers of darkness. And her sister says, hey, why don't you come to this women's retreat? She's like, are you nuts? She's like, just come give it a day. So she went, but the night before she went on a date, was out till 3 a.m. Gets there at 8 a.m. for the retreat. And she said, what did she hear? Women after woman after woman. Because it was a women's retreat. There was a men's retreat, but she wasn't on that one. And what she heard is women saying the difference Jesus made in their lives. He set them free. He did this. He did that. And she said that night she went home, took a shower, came back, and was ready to hear more. She, after that retreat, she started. She went to confession. She started going to mass, reading the Bible every day, trying to pray the rosary as often as she could, trying to forgive her enemies. She said her life was peaceful and joyful. Pretty soon her nieces and nephews said, we're going to pray that you find a good husband. The next day she went on the date with the guy who would become her husband. He was an atheist at the time. They end up praying together eventually. He becomes Catholic. They have a beautiful Catholic marriage and they're both in love with God. What was the change? It's that Jesus didn't take anything away from her that made her life beautiful and meaningful. Instead, he revealed and conveyed, you matter to God. The Father wants you alive at this time. Everyone here is alive during a pandemic for a reason. You're alive in a very fragile time of America for a reason. And to be Catholic is the most beautiful way to be human. Because we have what everyone's looking for. We have Jesus. And so often we forget his power. And so daily we need to tap into the light because we're inundated with darkness and confusion on who we are and whose we are. The reason Jesus said, give to Caesar what's Caesar, because he's like, you still think that matters more than you, and you are nuts. So, lest this turn into a two-hour-long Mass, let me just say a few practical things. How do we receive the beautiful revelation of who we are? How do we hear His voice? Well, the very first thing comes from the Scriptures. The blind can't see if they don't admit they're blind. It's scary to tell someone, hey, I'm struggling today thinking I'm worthless and I don't matter. Could you remind me of who I am? I mean, talk about a weird conversation. It's so vulnerable. But do we even at least tell God that? Do we admit, Lord, I don't know who I am. I don't know my value. I don't know that I matter. I don't even know if I believe that actually you created me. If we don't admit we're blind, we can't be given the gift of sight. Jesus said it himself. So what's the first move? Getting honest with God. Where are you at? How you been? And this is a daily conversation. It's not like, well, 15 years ago on a youth retreat I did it. I should be fine. I don't know that if you know how relationships work, but that's not how they work. They have to be daily renewed. So that's the first one, is get honest with God. Second, if we aren't setting aside seven to ten minutes, minimal, 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 of prayer every day, right? we might as well just cash this thing out. It ain't going to work. Right? If you don't talk to your best friend or text or send some sort of like Instagram message or something like for a week in a meaningful way, that friendship starts to get rocky. 
You don't do it with your spouse? You'll be in counseling very quickly. Seven to ten minutes, either reading a little piece of the Bible and journaling, praying a part of the rosary, walking in nature and letting all of creation and the seasons speak to you and move you. Listening to some Christian music or Gregorian chant, just alone journaling, just sitting in silence and saying the name of Jesus. Seven to ten minutes a day. It's the second thing. The third thing is join a Christian community as fast as you can. Sunday Mass is not the Christian community I mean. This is awesome. We're a family of families. We get together and worship God. But if you weren't here, no one would know. You need to be a part of a community that if you're not there, they know. And they say, where are you? What's going on? And being held accountable, I can say this word, it sucks. <laughs> right? It's hard. I have a priest group. We meet. We try to meet every Friday. It turns into like every couple Fridays. But we call one another at least every day and we share everything going on. Right? It's so that we are always in the light. And if I don't call or they don't call, they get a call from me or they call me. If we don't hear from each other in a few days, we're meeting up for coffee somewhere. What's going on? Sometimes it's literally I had three funerals and I was busy. Oh, okay, that's good news. But at least they know and I know like I matter. What happens to me and what I do matters. And so Life Team, that's why we have small groups. That's why you're meeting on Sundays consistently. But everyone else as well, you got to ask, invite your friends. Hey, let's get together and pray and then go grab a drink. Hey, let's go out for dinner. But after we do, let's stop and pray for one another. Start to building up little Christian communities. Admit you're blind, pray every day, and join a Christian community. You do that, and I promise you are going to be the light of Christ in the world, revealing to others how much they matter to the Father. We hope you enjoyed this audio from our parish. You can find other homilies, talks, and interviews at our website, basilthegreat.org, or by subscribing to this podcast in your favorite app. Just search for St. Basil Catholic Church, Brexville. St. Basil the Great, pray for us.